Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all our work at texasfootball.com. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Dave Campbell's. You can follow us all sorts of different ways. <laughs> you can also subscribe to us at textfootball.com slash subscribe. Make sure and pick up the 2019 Summer Edition if you haven't already. And finally, we're back with Ishmael Johnson. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> it's been, it's been, <laughs> on, on the eve of uh, fall training camp, too. I know, I know. It's been or a hot minute, leave. hasn't it? So. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Good to be back. Yeah, between uh, between coaching school and between media days and just everything, man. It's uh, It's been a little while since we've actually gotten to talk. Yeah, it's been, it's been really, really busy, but it's a good time to come back. Yeah, yeah. Like you mentioned, fall training camp starts uh, tomorrow for a lot of teams. Really, in the next week, you kind of everybody gets underway, um, and... Man, it's a weird time of year, isn't it? It's just like, oh, all of a sudden, I guess I guess football's back, isn't right. it? Right, football's back. It's not totally back. We still got roughly a month, but still, it's like everything's starting to get in the swing, the swing of things. Uh, all the reporters starting to get into their uh, routines for how they're going to cover the teams and storylines and things like that. So, well, and we'll be joined later in the show actually by Jake Spavadol, uh, the Texas State head coach. We got to talk to at coaching school, so. Keep your eyes peeled for that interview, too. Uh, we actually have it up on the website, too. You can watch the video interview as well. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we just kind of thought that we'd run through and kind of go through every team, uh, all of the 12 FBS teams. Uh, there's just a lot happening right now. This is when news starts coming out. Right. You know, from UTEP, we get that Cordres Wadley, uh, apparently, will miss the season with a toe injury. Yeah. It, you know, all this stuff sorts of, it sort of starts to happen now, now that uh, players are starting to report. Mm-hmm. And so it, it makes for an interesting time. Finally, there's actually news to talk about. Yeah. Too, Substantial is, news. Right, right, right. But um, but like I mentioned, we're just going to go through each team, kind of give a little bit of a preview. Uh, halfway through, we'll, we'll stop, do the Jake's Battle interview, come back. Uh, but let's start at the bottom last year, UTEP. Like I mentioned, Cordridge Wadley is out. Mm-hmm. Kai Loxley, he's not officially gone forever. Right. He's suspended indefinitely right now. It's hard to see him coming back and starting though right right uh, i don't know what kind of messes that sense to the team especially when you're a new guy like dana dimmel's still trying to really install culture and inst- install your your philosophies and like what's it say that something happens with him and he just he's just welcome right back right he's probably gonna miss all of fall camp or at least most of fall camp and what's it say that the guys that have been busting their butts in spring fall oh by the way oh here's kyle Loxley back in the game you know back in the team um, you have to kind of assume that he's not coming back. Well, and talking to those people around the program, uh, it just doesn't sound like they really want him back in right. a lot of ways. You, you know, even if he comes back, uh, be- because, you know, Dana Dimmel was pretty clear with me. They're going to wait for the legal process to come through. Mm-hmm. They're going to wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, Dana Dimmel brought in two junior college quarterbacks in Isaiah Bravo and Isaiah, uh, Gavin Hardenstein. Yes. That's a... a Hardinson. Hardinson, yeah, I'm looking at Excuse right me, now. sir. I should not have done that off the top of my head. <laughs> but um, but you've got the – oh, Isaiah Hartenstein is a basketball player who was drafted by the Rockets. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, but they bring in two junior college quarterbacks. Hardison actually was the leading passer uh, or the second leading passer in the nation, actually, two years ago at uh, Hobbs High School in New Mexico. So local kid played a year at a junior college and now is going to UTEP uh, to try to compete for the quarterback job and and really going into that 
I mean, that has to be the top thing, right? What are they doing at quarterback? And, and also, re- even just at the skill positions, I sure. mean, where are they going to get offense right now? What do you kind of expect? Wh- where do you expect it to come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. There's, when you're looking at the teams at the bottom of this list, you're really looking for a lot. Like, you're in terms of, like, wh- what are the storylines to watch? Well, basically every position. <laughs> like, it's basically, you're basically looking to see what players step up to be those breakout impact players especially like you mentioned at the skill positions um we're hoping to see our get our first glimpses of Deion hankins as well like we're hoping to see some of these younger guys emerge and hopefully more than likely get a shot this fall just because you know when you're coming off the season they are you can't exactly be wedded to player is like oh he did it last year it's like well last year didn't go very well so he probably right. needs some of these newer guys to step in well and, and here's the tough thing right okay you look at last year's stats mm-hmm. uh their top receiver warren redix is gone mm-hmm. their top rusher Cortez rod wadley hurt yeah. their second leading rusher kyle oxley probably out so now you go into this season and you've got trayvon uh, trayvon hughes coming back who rushed for 320 yards last year on 4.4 yards per carry so that's fine you know, quarterback, it probably looks like it's going to be Brandon Jones right now, mm-hmm. um, especially just because the, Ju- the Juco guys probably won't be ready. And and from what I've heard, it sounds like there's a little concern that TJ Goodwin might not be ready to play this season, mm-hmm. uh, just in terms of learning the system, being ready to play college football. Um, you know, where do you get your receiver production? So, so you look at this offense and all of a sudden it's like, what can they do? Right. And, you know, it's easy after year one, you know, I mean, this year one for UTEP was a year zero. You know, it was a, hey, we don't have anything. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what to do. Um, and we're going to figure that out. And this is going to be our feeling out point. But heading into year two, I mean, we kind of expect them to be a little better. But when you have that many questions on offense, it makes it a lot harder to, to realize that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on to the next team, the Rice Owls. What are you looking for from Rice Camp? I'm looking to see some of the younger guys that did step up last because the one thing that I noticed about Rice last year was, no, they weren't very good. Um, But unlike UTEP, and I think why I like them more than UTEP this season, is that the younger players that did show out, they they showed me some promise, right? You got guys like Prudy Calderon in the secondary, a freshman from, you know, he's, he's Personally, I'm biased. He played for San Marcos. I, uh, I saw a special athlete there when he was when he was quarterback there. Sure, but like sure, sure. those guys, because Rice needed help last year, like those guys got a shot to play, right? And so you're looking for those guys to see, okay, do they look a year better? Do they look, um, do they look a year season now that they went through that brutal schedule that they they got their butts kicked, all that stuff? Are they ready to come back? You know, Emmanuel Supa as well, right? Um, guys that got time last year. Well, Supa actually transfer oh that's right he yeah. did transfer yeah oh so <laughs> it makes it a little bit more complicated right right well and and i was talking to to uh to their coach mike bloomgren um and and he was telling me you know they had i think six guys transfer out mm-hmm. four of them they just felt like they didn't have a role for mm-hmm. and and i think that they saw asuka as one of those guys who they didn't have a role for the right. two i think that they didn't want to transfer were zach abercrombia and uh, i can't remember the other kid's name it was like Roe Wilkins, I think, was maybe his name. Mm-hmm. Um, those were two guys on defense who they really expected to have a big role. But the other four guys who, who left, they didn't necessarily expect. And they brought in a lot of guys. They brought in a quarterback transfer from Harvard, a running back transfer from Harvard. The biggest one to me, an offensive line transfer from Stanford. Um, you know, so, and actually offensively, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued with this team. Because mm-hmm. you have 
you know, quarterback's a big issue. That's that's going to be a big issue until sure. they basically figure it out. I mean, maybe Tom Stewart's that guy, the Harvard transfer, but maybe. Um, but, and I mean, it, he might be just because like Wiley Green didn't really separate himself last no, year, no, and no, Marshman didn't really do much to you know separate himself either. No, and I think that they see Wiley Green as a quarterback of the future, but sure. I don't know if he's a quarterback of the present. Right. Um, running back. I mean, Jim Ottaviano, he looked really, really good in that last game of the season against Old Dominion. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're pretty high on him over here. And, and at receiver, I mean, you've got, uh, you know, Aston Walter, you've got Austin Trammell. These are guys who can play at a pretty high level. So if you can get something from your quarterback play and from your line play, I mean, this offense could be all right. I'm not going to, I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, anything magnificent, but, right. but it could be enough to swing some games. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but again, it's, it's always going to be harder at Rice just because of the academic restrictions, just because of the recruiting restrictions, um, and just also profile-wise. I mean, you're recruiting in the city of Houston, not just against the University of Houston, but against everybody. Also, I just noticed, uh, I didn't realize until now, uh, wide receiver Austin Cephas is suspended indefinitely. Oh. So I, that was four days ago. <laughs> oh, no. So he was, he was their second leading receiver last year. So there's something as well. So yeah. I just saw that now. Uh, it, it, it never gets easier there, man. It never gets easier there. It was uh, apparently a violation of team rules. So okay. hopefully it's nothing too severe and he can just maybe miss a week and then come back. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, luckily at wide receiver, I think they have some guys. Yeah. But you do obviously want to mix that in with a couple of, uh, a couple of you know, young sk- or experienced skill position players to kind of uh, flank alongside them. But again, the, the questions are really going to be most on defense for me. You mentioned Pretty Calderon, mm-hmm. you know, George Nywakal in the secondary pretty good player so you know you feel kind of good about that back end but the front seven is really where you kind of are like where is this production coming from but but again I mean they just have to get better they just have to get more comfortable this was never going to be a one-year turnaround nobody Mm -hmm. ever thought that uh you know Mike Bloomberg didn't even really say that it's a two-year turnaround right so you know they're getting their guys in they had a great recruiting class this year they're going to be able to slot some of those guys in uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see. I mean, definitely the quarterback thing, though. That's that's going to be really interesting to me to see who comes out of camp because the one thing you say about Tom Stewart is, is that if he's here in the spring, you kind of slot him in for that job, right? But sure. the fact that he's going to have to learn a brand new system right now. And, you know, I, I know the stereotype. He went to Harvard, and so he must be smart and able to pick up the system. But let's not assume too much before <laughs> uh, before we know anything. So, yeah. so but that, it, it's going to be a fun camp to watch, I think. Moving on to UTSA. Uh, UTSA is in an interesting spot because I think you feel like Frank Harris is probably the guy. So I don't think that there's as huge a quarterback question as some of these other camps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not going to name him the starter for a while, but I just don't. Where do, where does the what needs to come out of camp? What what do you need to hear to feel comfortable about UTSA? Oh man, I think. One thing, because from from all the indications I'm getting is, yes, we assume Harris is the guy, but it's, it's apparently it is still a three way race between him, Grundy, and uh, I'm looking up the name right now, Lowell Narcisse. Yeah, yeah, Narcisse. Yeah. Narcisse. Narcisse. Uh, Narcisse. Yeah, from, um, uh, he w- who transferred from LSU. Right. So it's a three way battle between those guys. I think in order to feel comfortable about UTSA, because of what we know Grundy did last year, mm-hmm. and not it wasn't much. <sighs> no. I think we need to come away saying, oh, yeah, Harris is definitely the guy. Yeah. Like, we need to be able to say, like, oh, yeah, oh, not not just, eh, they'll get a half. You know, Harris is going to get the first half. Grundy. We need to be able to say, okay, Harris is the guy. Because if Harris can't beat out Grundy. Well, I think the other thing that you say, too, is if Narcisse says, Narcisse, I'm yeah. the guy. Right. Somebody needs to establish themselves as the quarterback. And, yes, I think you're right. It 
probably shouldn't be Grundy. It probably shouldn't be Grundy, and it shouldn't be close. I don't think. Yeah. Like in terms of those two other guys uh, separating themselves yeah. from Grundy, if the, if if we go into the first game saying, you know, first half Harris, second half Narcisse. Okay, cool. That that's different, right? Yeah. You, I I highly doubt Grundy improved that much from a year ago. Yeah. And, and that's no disrespect to him. I just it was just not the level that they need to be able to look at this offense and say, ah, this is a definitely an improved unit. Well, the other thing that I, I want to know is, is there going to be a receiver who says, I'm the guy mm-hmm. I can produce? Good point. Because, I mean, you know, you, you, it's easy to blame the quarterback for sure. all the issues last year. You know, because, hey, you know what? Maybe Cordell Grundy's better than we think. Right. But, he had but, no targets. Yeah, he had no targets and he had no offensive line. Right. So, I just need, you know, because their top receiver, Greg Campbell, is gone. Do you know how many yards... Their second receiver had last year, mm. who I believe also is gone. Let me see. What? Well, like, give me a leading returning receiver. Yeah, hold let's up, say hold that. Up. Yeah, let me let me jump through and. Okay, so I believe that yes, he is a returning receiver. Okay. Their second leading re- uh, receiver is returning. So, their top receiver was Greg Campbell Jr. He had 58 receptions for 658 yards. 250. 19 catches for 210 yards. Oh, my gosh. That's their leading returning receiver. Okay. And he was the number two receiver overall last season. Oh, man. Actually, this is another fun game. Uh, how many yards do you think that their leading passer had last year? How many? Say, say how many. What, say how, how many yards do you think their leading passer had last year? Oh, it 12, was Grundy, by the way. 1,200? 989. Oh, my God. And how many yards do you think their leading rusher had? Oh, that one, uh, I think I know that. 321, something like 322. that? 322. Yeah, okay. 322. Yeah. And, uh, it was BJ Daniels, right? Yes. Okay. And <laughs> That's interesting. Not, By the way, uh, of, of course, of no relation, Bill Conley released his uh, F, uh, t- <laughs> 10 best shots at an FCS over FBS upset per S&P Plus. And uh, <clears throat> number four is uh, Incarnate Word over UTSA at 41%. Yeah, yeah. And, so. and we think UTSA should be further along this year. We yeah. think they should be further along. Yeah. And I mean, you know, UTSA was a def- – or sorry, Incarnate Word was definitely a good FCS team last year. They were a playoff team. But, you know, I mean, they're not like a home run by any means. Sure. You know, no, they're God, not yeah. playing North Dakota State. Right, right. right. But we'll I, it, is, it is a little interesting. <laughs> and I, I will say, too, we have to point out their leading touchdown guy uh, – their leading touchdown guy at running back had three touchdowns. <laughs> Three touchdowns just, at running just back. Show us, just show us something. They show s- us something. They scored 16 offensive touchdowns show last us something. year. That's it. Just 16. Anything. So, yeah. UTSA, just please give us points. You know, we, we trust that you're going to find answers on defense. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're, they're losing a lot. Um, their defense definitely took a step back last year, but you kind of trust that they're going to find some guys there. Offense, man, just, just show us something. Have a big wide receiver come out, say, hey, this is the guy heading forward. You know, have a quarterback come out, win the job. Hey, win the job in the first week of camp. Mm-hmm. Tell us that it's over. You know, don't don't wait until the week of the season and say it's still three guys. At least narrow it down to two. Right. That, that's, that's really what you want is just to at least narrow it down to two. But anyway, moving on to Texas State, your alma mater. Yep. I mean, there's really no uh, no surprise. I mean, it, it's quarterback. Yeah. It's quarterback. Is yeah. Greshianson the guy, or do you go with Vit because of experience, or you know what? It's it's all the way down to what comes behind center. Yeah, well, I I think though that the thing is, yes, Vit has played at this level, mm-hmm. but I don't know if there's a real experience advantage there. You know, that's fair. That's because fair. He didn't play in the system, right? You know, when he played last year, he wasn't great either. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he had he had one game right where he threw for three hundred yards, and then sure. other than that, he wasn't. He was all right, right? You know, and whereas 
yes, Gretch Jansen played, you know, FCS and then um, Juco ball, but mm-hmm. he's taken a lot more snaps. That's fair. And he's thrown for a lot more yards. Uh, and it's different playing at this level, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously you have to take into account Jalen Gibson, who is great at Mejia, but hasn't really shown anything at this level as yet. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that whether Jensen wins the job, obviously playing under his former uh, head coach, uh, Bob Stitz, mm-hmm. uh, who's now the offensive coordinator, I think it's going to be interesting. And, and, again, same deal. Can he win it early? Right. And, and, and other than that, I mean, again, you look across this offense, who's, it's sort of the same deal with UTSA. Who's going to be that receiver? Who's going right. to step up and be that guy? Like, I think I've, if you ask people around Texas State, they think it's Jeremiah Haydell. Yeah. Um, he showed a lot of big play potential last year and a lot of i think a lot of people's it's another similar to utsa a lot of people blame the quarterback play yes because you saw him getting open you saw him making big plays he'll he'd have the odd 30 yard catch like man that was really cool why don't we do that more often and then it was like oh right because they can't get on the ball that often um hopefully in this offense somebody can emerge because i don't know if the offense they used to run was conducive to really opening up wide receivers that much and it kind of showed by they got a lot of wide receiver talent in terms of highly regarded high school prospects, but none of them really flourished. And it, I, th- I think, if anything, that's what's going to be one of the biggest immediate benefits from Spavadol and Stitt is working with receivers. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And, I mean, it helps that Hutch White is back, right? Yeah. And so so he's more of sort of the possession guy mm-hmm. out, of, out of the group. And, and, I mean, when you run a Jake Spavadol offense – you're going to have a lot of possession. Guys. You have to have the guy who's open five yards down the field right. every play. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, Anum fans complained for years. Mm-hmm. Why are you running so many bubble screens? Well, you know what? Bubble screens get you down the field. I was about to say, because they're open. <laughs> right. Exactly. And you take what the defense gives you. And yeah. it's not as exciting as Johnny Menzel throwing the ball 40 yards downfield. But, you know, you get open. And then you mix a Hutch White and some of those other guys who can maybe be possession guys with Hadell, who only 16 catches last year mm-hmm. but for 326 yards he had a 93 yard catch uh four touchdowns i mean yeah he's that big play threat and if you can have a Haydell to mix with some of these guys who maybe feel confident who can make you know short gains mm-hmm. i mean that's a recipe for success yep and uh, and again the defense was legitimately very good last year you know so that's something that you have to i think feel good about right um you know and and so yeah, I, I really think it is going to be interesting. You know, can a quarterback separate from the pack? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, with these with these lower teams right now, that's really the question. You know, there's a reason that these guys are kind of consistently at the bottom of the conference, uh, or at the bottom of uh, of you know their conferences rather. Let's right. say, and it's because they can't get consistent quarterback play. You know, you talk about the other group of five teams that are better. That's the difference, mm-hmm. you know, and, and actually moving on to this next team, that's where I think that this team is going to be able to make the most strides, and that's SMU. Mm. They bring in Shane Bouchelle, and the biggest thing that you can say about it is that their receivers, who are fantastic, by the way, mm-hmm. Reggie Robertson and James Prochet especially, their receivers are going to be able to get used to playing with one quarterback all offseason. And look, I mean, you can say a lot of things about Shane Bouchelle, you know, he, he didn't fit very well in a Tom Herman system. He right. didn't necessarily, you know, bring the running element that they hoped that he could, um, you know, and he, yeah, he, he definitely struggled when their offensive line broke down. But he also was 40 yards away from becoming the first 3,000-yard passer at Texas since Colt McCoy. You know, so, so I mean, I know that it's easy to forget that first season right. at Texas. There were, I remember his heading into his sophomore year, there was some faint, very, very faint, 
faint dark horse Heisman hype. Well, it was because of what he did as a freshman, right? Because it was what he did as a freshman, and it was like, look, if he continues this trajectory, who knows where he can improve to, right? And there was something there. Like he wasn't a bad quarterback. Ellinger happened. Like (laughs) it's like okay, cool. Ellinger happened. Like that, you know, he got replaced by another good quarterback. He wasn't bad by any means. Was he limited? Probably. Right, and that we'll see this year how limited he is in terms of range of passing and all that. But in some ways, that might not even matter. I, I really don't think that'll matter at this level mm-hmm. and and in this offense right. too, because I think that the one thing that you say about Herman offenses and and what Ohio State runs consistently is mm-hmm. that it puts a lot on the quarterback to make a lot of decisions. It puts a lot on the quarterback to run the ball a lot, do a lot of things with the football, and I think that that's something that naturally fits into Sam Ellinger's game and the other thing that you say too is that more freshman year than last year but Mm -hmm. freshman year the offensive line wasn't very good and Sam Ellinger is much better at freelancing with the football than Shane Bouchelle is Mm -hmm. that's just a statement (laughs) you know that's just a fact and so I think that now you go into this this reminds me I mean this the lazy natural comparison is going to be Garrett Gilbert's right but I think the thing that you say, too, is that Shane Bouchelle is a lot further along as a player than mm-hmm. Garrett Gilbert was when he transferred to SMU. And mm-hmm. by the time he left, Garrett Gilbert was a fantastic player for SMU. Right. And I think that there's so many comparisons with that. This team is a lot more ready-made to compete right now than uh, than that team was with June Jones. And, you know, they, with two games left, had a chance to win the division. You know, and, and should they have? I, I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of some things worked out weird to where that could happen. But yeah. they had a chance to win the division. Right. <laughs> and they they only lost to Memphis by 10 points. And then they uh, – and Memphis ended up winning the division, right? Mm. And then, yes. and then you know, that Tulsa game happened. That was weird. You know, it was just a thing that happened. But uh, but now you have consistent quarterback play. You should be able to come in. It, it should be a good situation for them right now. Um, and so that's going to be – that's really my question is, you know, the defense was actually very good last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it improved a lot under Kevin Kane, the new defensive coordinator from Northern Illinois. Now it's can Shane Bouchelle come in, transition in, you know, make sense with this team right away? Because if he can, the upside for this team is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the next team, and then and then we'll get to Jake Spavital real quick. Houston. So Houston comes in with all sorts of questions. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that the thing that you feel comfortable about is that the offense is going to be fine. They've got great receivers. They've got a good returning offensive line. They've got good running backs bolstered by Kyle Porter coming in at running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, under center, Derek King is, at worst, the third best quarterback in the States. Right. And probably better than that. That That's being hesitant because of his injury. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you could also make a case for number one. Right. I, I mean, I would make. I, there's a great case for number one. Sure. Don't yell at me, Houston fans. Yeah. <laughs> but... I, I think that the answer or the questions really have to come on defense, right? Mm-hmm. Who steps up next to Isaiah Chambers to sort of take some pressure off of him? Because Isaiah Chambers was pretty good last year before he got hurt, and he got hurt, I think, three games into the year. But once he went out, and obviously once Ed Oliver went out, mm-hmm. that thing went to crap. Right. It was already a shaky defense as it was last year when you were kind of surprised seeing as they had these talented players. Um but yeah, that's that, that's definitely going to be something to watch is how that improves this year. And one of the other things that I like kind of from a top-down perspective is, you know, we've seen this happen before with Houston in terms of a new coach doesn't necessarily mean growing pains. No. Like Houston's a program where, you know, the pro- we, we, can make, we can make fun of, oh, you know, it's high, too high standards, right? Seven wins, eight wins, and they're fired. What's this? Whatever. The, the fact of the matter is they have talent. 
that's why they have those standards. Right. <laughs> and so, like, the right coaching come in and win 10 games, win 11 games, win at least, you know, nine games, right? And I don't think you're looking at, a, at growing pains at all, especially when you have to prove a good coach as well. Um, so, yeah, th- I think we've seen, based on history, that year one does not always necessarily mean, oh, it's a rebuild, right? It, this could mean they hit the ground running and, look, they're playing in a New Year's Six or something. I don't know, right? It right. could be, It could happen. Right, right. And... You know, for me, again, it's just if they can get something from their from their pass rush. Mm-hmm. Because Joe Cawthon, their defensive coordinator, was at Arkansas State before. He produced one of the top pass rushers in the group of five. Uh, he consistently produced disruptive defenses, mm-hmm. got a lot of sacks, got a lot of interceptions, scored a lot of defensive touchdowns. And that's something that often has to do with mentality. Yeah. So how quick can he get that mentality instilled into this defense? Because they've got a lot of talent on the back end, for mm-hmm. example. Um, you know, I really like what I, I got a chance to talk to, to some of their secondary coaches last week at coaching school. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, again, they put a lot of pressure on that secondary. You know, they have a corner safeties and Nichols coach because they want to be able to coach up the finer details of that stuff. Right. So if they can kind of get that production on the back end and give the front line some time to kind of get to the quarterback and, and cause issues, this could be a good team. You know, I mean, this, this was a good team last year. I mean, no matter what happened in the last two games of the year, this was a good team. Mm-hmm. And again, same deal. They played Memphis in the last week of the season. They could have won the division if they win that game. And if Derek King isn't hurt, they probably do. Right. And and same with that with that Army game. You know, if Derek King's not hurt, they probably win that Army game. And and then you're talking about close to ten wins. You know, this season could have gone a lot different. Now, I do think they ended up in a better situation because of Dana Holgerson, but. Mm-hmm. You know, if that defense can start to produce something, they're going to reestablish themselves as the best group of five team in the state. Anyway, we're going to take a break real quick. Right after the break, we're going to have Texas State coach Jake Spavadol. So stick around and we'll be right back. We're joined now by Texas State coach Jake Spavadol. Coach Spav, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, excited to be here. You know, I was just having that conversation with you. It's good to be back in the state of Texas and be a part of the Texas High School Coaches Association, the coaches school. And and be around some good high school football coaches. Absolutely. Well, how, how have things kind of been just transitioning to San Marcos? You know, the, the analogy of drinking out of a fire hose is, uh, <laughs> is pretty accurate, but it's been great. You know, um, uh, new challenges, new responsibilities, and, you know, the thing that we are trying to instill in our culture is just, you know, try to make it a day better. And, you know, we still aren't where we want to be, but I can tell you that our kids and, you know, our staff and our university, are, we're making strides daily. Well, you were just named 40 under 40 by us, of course, and, uh, great honor. and congratulations to you. Why do you think you've been able to have so much success at such a young age? It, you know, I've thought about this before. It, you're only as successful as the people that you're surrounded by. And I've been very fortunate to be around some of the best coaches in college football and at a very young age, too, that, um, you know, just get thrown in the fire and your first job is a graduate assistant for Gus Malazon. And then you're, you know, you're working with Cliff Kingsbury and Dana Holgerson and Kevin Sumlin and, you know, be a part of Sonny Dykes. And it just it's just such a, a, a fortunate honor to to learn from these guys. And and now I'm the head coach, obviously, and I'm taking everything that I've learned from those guys and, and I'm imp- implementing it into our culture. And that's one of the reasons why. Uh, you know, I've gotten to this point, but the other one too is I've coached some really good players now. So it, it goes both ways. You know, I've, I've been a part of a lot of good coaches and a lot of good players, and that's why I'm sitting here today. Well, looking at that Texas State program, I mean, it, it's one that when they hired you, you know, Larry Tice was pretty clear, you know, we want to win now. Where do you think the state of the program is right now, and where do you want it to be by the time you take the field week one? 
Yeah, you know, you look at it's talking season with the media, and, you know, we're currently voted in last place. And, you know, there's not much expectations by people around us, but we really don't care about the opinions of others. And, and we have high expectations of who we are as a team, and, and I think that's what matters the most. And uh, the thing about who where we're at right now is we have a very experienced group of guys and that have played a lot of football, and they're on their last year. So... It's important for us to, to make sure that the senior class who's been through a lot of coaching changes ends on a high note. And, you know, as the competitive side, you know, you want to win every single game. You know, like that's, that's football and that's being a, a, having a competitive spirit. And uh, that's all we can ask about for right now is just, you know, worry about what we can control and make sure that we're doing the little things right. And that's going to end up being uh, in the long run working out in our, in our favor. Well, you're known for your sort of offensive intellect, and you bring in another coach, Bob Stitt, who's kind of been an influencer around college football for a long time. Uh, what does that gonna kind of What is that kind of gonna look like? I guess mixing what you bring and what he brings. Yeah, you know, I couldn't be you know happier with Coach Stitt and the opportunity to work with him. You know, I used to pick plays from him and his mind. Uh, you know, throughout the course of my time as an offensive coordinator, but. Uh, what, what's been great for me is I'm so comfortable with Bob and he's been calling plays for 30 years, which allows me to focus on other aspects of the program. So, uh, you know, when, when the offense needs to get something corrected, they're in there working together and making sure they're on the same page. And that allows me to go raise money and try to get, you know, more nutrition and worry about academics and things that are going to make our kids and put them in a, in a great position to succeed. And, and that's kind of, you know, where I've delegated the responsibility to Bob, and that allows me to work on other things to help our program. What's the biggest uh, change just from going to being a coordinator to being a head coach that maybe you didn't expect? And there's issues every single day. You know, <laughs> some days you, as a coordinator, you'd come in and you'd be like, all right, I'm going to get third downs knocked out and short yardage and get my two-point plays in line and make sure that, you know, everything's going to run smooth offensively. Well, uh, what I've experienced as a head coach so far is you go in with a plan to get so much accomplished, and the next thing you know, you got an issue here and an issue here and an issue here, and you really don't accomplish what you wanted to for the day. So. Uh, you just got to – I wake up early and try to get in there, you know, about two, three hours before anybody gets in there so I can have some time to myself and make sure the program's going the right direction and then I'm ready to battle issues for throughout the course of the day. Well, of course, we're at THACA Coaching School. Uh, coming back to the state of Texas and getting to work with the coaches in, in Texas high school football, I mean, what's the transition been like and, and how good is it, I guess, to be back in that sort of community? Yeah, it's it, it, a lot of familiar faces and it's, it's good seeing these guys again and – um, you just appreciate all the hard work that they put into it. And, the, again, this is an unbelievable event that, you know, I think this is the only state that actually does this. And, and it's a production. There's a lot of moving parts to it, but it just shows you how important high school football is to the state of Texas. And, and you know, being centrally located in San Marcos, I can, I can go down the street and get a quality kid that's been coached by the best. And uh, I, that's the, the thing that I appreciate about, you know, just being a part of this community is that you're, you're going to be around a lot of uh, – Coaches that are, are really good football coaches, but they're great men and they're great mentors, and you're going to get a polished kid that uh, is going to end up being a, a guy that you look for that to, to establish the culture and be a part of the foundation of your team. Did you expect that when you took this job that, uh, that one of your mentors, Dana Holgerson, would be right down the street? <laughs> you know, I'd, I kind of felt it, um, which is awesome. You know, Dana is like how I – I learned the most offense from and how I, I run my program right now is he's very simple and to the point and make sure that we do the little things right and we're playing efficient football and 
Uh, it's fun now that, you know, he's just right down the street because, you know, I've, I've been around him for, you know, I think five years now. That, uh, that it had been fun the entire time. So I'm, I'm excited that, you know, Dan is right down the street. Yeah, well, last question. Uh, you've been in San Marcos for a couple of months now. Are there any sort of go-to places now on your list? Ooh, there's a lot of them right now. Um, Herbert's has been kind of a go-to with the tacos. So, <laughs> uh, But, you know, the thing that my whole staff is enjoying about Central Texas, which is there's so many different options, which – the, the coaching staff needs to watch while we eat on a consistent basis because we'll blow up if we just get out of control with it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Coach. Good luck this season, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Awesome. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks again to Coach Jake Spavadol for joining the program. He's going to have things rolling real quick there at Texas State, uh, hopefully-ish, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to move on let, to Let our- the record show that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very – I'm realistic. Yeah. Right. I don't, yeah. I don't. I don't expect to go bowling this year. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're cautiously optimistic, yeah. right? I've been through this circle before. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on to our next team, North Texas. Uh, last year, the best group of five team in the state. Uh, they bring in a new offense coordinator, Bodie Reader. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they replace a lot on defense, most notably linebacker EJ Ajia, linebacker Brian, Brandon Garner, uh, cornerbacks Kimon Hall. It, you know, they have a lot of gaps on that back end, and to me, when I look at this team, I want to see a linebacker come out and dominate mm. because EJ Gia, I, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to vamp for a little while I pull up his stats, but sure. his stats were just off the charts insane. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I don't know if there's a player. I, I mean, it's, I'm really sad that he's gone. I mean, I really should have written something bigger about him while he was still here because he is a freak. Okay, here we go. He had 98 tackles. Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. 121 tackles, mm-hmm. 25 tackles for loss, nine sacks, 11 quarterback carries. That's that dude wasn't recruited by anybody. <sighs> yeah, like and <laughs> and he didn't get any NFL look or anything. He's six three two thirty one. I don't understand what people want to see. I, you know, I mean, whatever. I'll get off my <laughs> EJG high horse for a second, but they need a guy, not necessarily to to get 25 tackles for loss by any means, but mm-hmm. they need a guy who can get back there, cause some issues because their front four is good, but Ladarius Hamilton's only real difference maker on that front four. And on the back end, I mean, they bring back Kyrie Muhammad, they bring back their other safeties, but you know, they're going to need to get a little bit going. So they're pa- so that their corners don't have to withstand too much because they're young. Yeah. And I was going to, I was just going to mention their corners. I think that's their thing this year. Cause you lose, uh, come on hall. You lose Nate Brooks. Yep. Um, and I believe, I think, uh, yeah, they have a new first year cornerbacks coach as well. And yeah, so that's they're, right. they're going to be, Cops, right? uh, no, it's, oh, uh, uh, Cops running uh Clay Jennings, Clay Jennings. Yeah. That's right. And so they have, there's a, there's a lot of question marks on that back end and you don't want to throw them to the fire that quickly right. because you know if we expect you UNT to have the season that we're kind of hoping right yeah. which is like you know double digit wins for sure. maybe pushing that 11 um oh for sure um you know you got to let this you got to give this corner this secondary some time to develop and that means the front seven has to be a lot better and i think that's what makes last year's missed opportunity to really do something special even yeah. even more disappointing because they had the front seven to get it done to yeah. where they didn't need to and they had a, uh, an experienced secondary to get it done as well and so now you're kind of asking some guys to step up and again we just we have we just probably don't know the names yet they're probably talented enough to absolutely do it but um i think secondary is going to be where 
or front seven is where they're going to have to make their money because I think the secondary is going to need time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and corners probably the position where experience matters most. Right. Because you just you just learn to play the position. You mm. learn to turn your hips. You learn to you know track balls. Yeah. There's you, things- get, you get beat for that fifty yard bomb. You're like, right. oh right, what did I do wrong this time? Like right. <laughs> you learn right. from that. You have to learn from experience. You know, linebacker, you can kind of just you know you get more opportunities because mm-hmm. that's the thing right when it comes to when it comes to playing like left tackle and when it comes to playing cornerback it's like if you make one tiny mistake everything goes to grab right it's you know? your fault <laughs> right right and if you're a linebacker and you miss a read oh no i messed up but there was somebody else behind yeah me. somebody's got my back right right and so that's going to be something at least they have you know experienced safeties that's the one thing that you say mm-hmm. but yeah you're right and this offense is back. They're going to put up a lot of points. I mean, we talked to Bodie Reader yesterday, the offense coordinator at North Texas. I mean, he's he knows what he's in for. He, you know, they're going to put up points, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to run the ball a lot better this year. But at the same time, if you can't get those stops on defense, the biggest game of the year for me, and you know, for us, we actually ended up picking North Texas second in their division, and the only reason for that is because they go on the road against Southern Miss, mm-hmm. and so. And Southern Miss returns a lot, most notably quarterback Jack Abraham. And and to be clear, Mason Fine is on a completely different level than Jack Abraham. Right. But he's good enough to make their corners pay if they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And going into Southern Miss, going into Hattiesburg, into a raucous environment, that's going to be a big game for them. If they win that game, I think that not only can they win the division, they can win the conference. Sure. But that's going to be up to whether their corners are up for the challenge. And like you said, they have talent. They have opportunity. Now it's time to see whether they can can do it on the biggest level. Moving on to the Power Five teams, Texas Tech is is fifth right now. Yeah, this one. I I, I don't know what I'm expect. It's such a weird time, obviously, for Tech. But I think I'm just wanting to see what it is, <laughs> what what this <laughs> offense is. Like you know, we're we're. We, obviously, it's not going to be air raid, but it's not necessarily going to be pro style under center, right? There's going to be a spread concepts and things like that. What just what's going to be different? That's what I'm really interested to see is what Matt Wells, what uh, Yost, I believe as well, David, uh, Yost, David yeah. Yost, what do they bring to the table offensively, and what what does Texas Tech look like in 2019? Yeah, the word you hear a lot on offense is pace. That mm-hmm. seems to be one of the biggest differences is just moving faster with sure. the ball. Because um, that's one thing, like under Kingsbury, they were just because they were throwing the ball around. Doesn't they weren't necessarily fast? They weren't fast. No, no. no they, I mean, they. Just, you see the yards, and you just think it. You assume it. Right. But they weren't necessarily tempo. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that you mentioned offense because for me, my biggest questions come on defense. Okay. Because you're not going to put up a top three offense like you just knew that you were going to under Cliff Kingsbury, sure, right? Sure. And and by design too. You mm-hmm. know, I mean. They're just things that you're not going to do right. with other coaching staffs. For me, what I want to see is when that pregame depth chart for their first game of the season. Uh, I can't remember if they have. Do they play UTEP week one or do they play week two? I can't. I think they play. Actually, no. I think they play uh, an FCS team week one. When that first depth chart comes out, mm-hmm. I want to see those transfers on the depth charts. I want to see Evan Rambo on the Montana depth chart. State week one. That's and then, right. And then that's right. Uh, UTEP the next. That's week. right. You know, I want I want to see these guys: the mm-hmm. Cal transfer, the Utah transfer, the Penn State transfer, Zach McPherson. I want to see these guys on the depth chart. I want to see them either first or second string, mm-hmm. because when you look at this team, and when you look at really the last group of Cliff Kingsbury teams, the top twenty-two is pretty good. 
You know, I mean, that's that's never really been the issue with Texas Tech. They've right. always had a good top 22. The issue is that once you get to 23, you're in trouble. <laughs> and, you know, the, from a recruiting perspective, I, I think that the biggest failure of the Kingsbury era is recruiting. I mean, it, it is just bringing in enough guys. Sure. You know, it was last year, I think they only signed like 14 guys, even though they had space. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a failure. That's just ultimately a failure. And that's something that Matt Wells is going to have to work through the next couple of years. Yep. Is just that there's not the depth there. And, you know, if you're looking at this roster, and you're, you you just noticed there's a lot of upperclassmen guys. There's not a lot enough developmental guys. You're going to have to change that as, as you kind of go through the next couple of years. So if, if Tech can bring in some guys, I mean, I, they brought in like – seven transfers something yeah, like something that, like that. I, I mean something ridiculous right but a lot of these guys are two-year guys which is obviously a, i think a big thing too but the one thing that you just have to say is if these guys can get on the depth charts either first or second string and be ready to play right now at a high level mm-hmm. at a level that befits texas tech football right having that depth is going to mean a lot as they go through the season because they're going to get injured this is what football is. You're going to get injured. If your first string isn't good enough, that, that's why Oklahoma wins the league every year. Mm-hmm. It's because they are talent-wise on another level than everybody else when it comes to their second string. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was I, I covered Baylor a while back. That's why Baylor wasn't a national title contender. Because when they lost two offensive linemen, the season was over. Mm-hmm. And that can't happen. That, I mean, that, that can't happen at this level of the Big 12. And so, ultimately, my biggest question about Tech is, are those guys going to be ready? Are they going to be guys who can contribute right now? Because if they do, I mean, this team has a lot of talent coming back, especially on offense. I mean, Alan Bowman, their offensive line is one of the best in the conference. Then you bring in TJ Vasher, you get the transfer, McLean Mannix, uh, running backs, you just have a whole bunch of guys. Armand Shine comes in too. Mm-hmm. You have all these guys, so many guys. Can they be ready? Can they be ready to play at a high level? Can they be ready to contribute and be death pieces? Because if they can, they can be pretty good. But if it takes even a little bit of time, it's going to really hurt sort of the development of this team next year. And, and you don't need to win 10 games next year. That's right. not the point. Right. But, but it'll, help, it'll slow down the process a little bit. Moving on to the next team, uh, Baylor. Mm-hmm. So Baylor's really interesting for me because they do have three weeks to work out the kinks. So there's nothing sure. imminent. Sure. <laughs> you know, that's the one thing that you say. I want to hear more about the three-man front. I want to okay. hear – because – you know, a lot of teams have sort of moved towards this uh, when it comes to Iowa State has really sort of pioneered mm-hmm. that in the Big 12, running a 3-3-5 defense, basically. Right. And Baylor seems to be kind of moving towards it. I don't know. It's unclear whether it's going to be full-time or whether it's a package. Concepts, yeah. Right. I- I'm interested to see because when you run a 3-3-5, because the one thing that you say about Baylor is that more of their talent is on the back end than the front end. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have a James Lynch, you have a Bravion Roy. Those guys are good players. James Lockhart has apparently improved a lot. Linebacker is very shallow. It's their most shallow position. And then on the back end, they have a bunch of bodies. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean actually for the state of their defense? You know, who are they trying out guys at different positions? Where do they line up James Lynch? It just it kind of throws everything into whack. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, oh, well, all these guys were recruited to play a 4-3, you know, a 4-3-4. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're, you know, tossing them into a 3-3-5. And in the Big 12, you might just need to do that. So. I was about to say, like, if there's one thing we knew about Baylor last year was that they gave up the big play, right? There was right. there was no secret to that. The three three five theoretically, right, 
is meant to stop that. Right. Right. It's meant to give you somebody extra over the top. It's meant to give you some, an, an extra, uh, I believe it's a dime package. So it's mm-hmm. supposed to give you someone in the middle there as well. That's a nickel patrolling. Package with yeah. The five. Um, and so it's supposed to prevent the big play from, from the medium gain to turning into the, the, the long gain. Right. Right. And so theoretically, yes, this is what they probably should have done. But it also opens up a new can of worms because the one thing, whether it was West Virginia, whether it was, uh, I believe, Texas ran some concepts in the past before, this exposes you to the run game. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And it's there are ways to prevent that if you run a good 3-3-5. Right. But, it, it, like I said, it just does open up a new can of worms that, I, you know, maybe in the Big 12 that doesn't matter because no one runs the ball. But, um, you know, it, it does open up some interesting questions. Yeah, well, well the biggest thing is that it makes sense to run this defense if you have a Greg Eisworth, who, uh, like Iowa State has, mm-hmm. where he can come all the way down and make plays in the box. Right. Does Baylor have that guy at safety? I don't think so. <laughs> They might. Maybe I, we don't know who it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe we don't know. Yeah. I mean, and they've been experimenting with some guys that sort of what they call their robber position at the fifth position, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, you have a Henry Black, a Chris Miller, a, a Christian Morgan. Those are all three really physically gifted athletes. Mm-hmm. And, and also even with Blake Lynch. I mean, Blake Lynch was a wide receiver, was a cornerback, was a safety, and now is a linebacker. But, mm-hmm. you know, he has the physical tools to be able to play coverage in the middle of the field. Right. You know, so, I mean, in some ways you're playing a dime package, you know, when, when you bring when you bring him out there. But that's, I, again, what does that look like? I mean, that's a that's a big change to all of a sudden decide you're going to play a completely different schematic right. with the same defensive coordinator. Yeah. You know, and, and Phil Snow knows what he's doing. I know he does, but it's it's going to... I'm curious to see what the growing pains are like because that's not a small change. Right. Moving on to TCU. TCU, I mean, come on. We know what the question's going to be. It's yeah, quarterback. Right. It's there's is it, specifically Alex Delton, really? Like like okay, that's so, that's my specific question with TCU. So, so TCU, Gary Patterson says there are six guys in the competition right now. Sure, man. How many can you name? I can name Alex Delton. That's one. Uh who's the guy that Played with drop foot. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't. Even, I can't name drop him. Drop foot guy is Justin drop, Rogers. Drop foot guy, and uh, 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 oh god, it starts with an M. Uh, Mulestein? <laughs> no, he's gone. Oh god. Okay, no, he's gone. Uh, this is how much I, I know about TCU's several more. Uh, there's several more M's. Several I will say. more. Uh, Sawyer. No, no, no. He he left years ago. Oh, he's way. He's not there anymore. <laughs> I, this is how much I care about TCU's quarterbacks. Um. Come on, come on, Ohio State. Oh, Matthew Baldwin. Matthew okay, Baldwin. Okay. Is he eligible? I forgot. Did he get cleared? It's still up in the air. Oh my god. <laughs> and, and also, apparently, he's going to miss camp. So actually, he's oh not my really god. Okay, so he's but, not. But Gary lists not, him as part of the quarterback. Sure, man. Um, that's all I got. Okay. I'm not so, so, so I was going to start. I was going to start naming like Casey Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you got Alex Delton, the Kansas State transfer. Justin Rogers, the uh, Louisiana blue chip guy who had drop foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Baldwin, the Ohio State transfer who started at Lake Travis. Mm-hmm. Then on top of that, uh, you've got Michael Collins back from last okay, year. Collins. Yeah, I, okay, Collins. Okay, Col- I was thinking of Collins when I said Sawyer. So yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then you've got Max Duggan, the freshman who's coming from Iowa. Okay. Okay. The sixth, definitely cheating. Uh, they have a walk-on transfer who walked on at Georgia. He's not playing. Matthew Downing. He's not playing. He he did actually play some garbage he's, on snaps at Georgia. I will he's say. He's scout team. <laughs> he's scout team. So, so get out of here with that. Those are those are the six. Okay. Um, I really let, let's put it this way. 
if they thought that Justin Rogers for sure, for sure, was going to be healthy, was going to be back, I don't think they had Matthew Baldwin. Right. That That's my concern. And they say that he's about 90% right now, right. but they also say that the nerve hasn't completely reactivated. Those two things can't Keep in mind, this guy played an actual football game. I know, I know. Uh, here's the issue. If, you, if he's 90%, but the 10% is his knee... <laughs> That's not ninety percent, <laughs> but and then you have. I mean that uh, you know going off the scale of the human body, that's probably so. It's like <laughs> yeah, he's about ninety. <laughs> it's just his foot. <laughs> it's just his leg. Yeah. <laughs> Do you need that to play football? <laughs> uh, Collins, I mean, is is there, but I don't. I don't think they want to start him. Yeah. Uh, Duggan, I think they're going to try to protect. He might start later in the year. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Downing is not part of this, and and Baldwin is Probably arriving on eligible, campus yeah. and is still on crutches apparently. Right. So I th- here's the reason that I think that they go Delton, right? It's, it's a very uninspiring answer. Yes. Um, one, you know, he played at K-State. It's not like he got a chance to show his talent regardless. Right. The biggest thing though, is that look at last season. What was the issue last season? They turned the ball over two and a half times per game with, uh, with Sean Robinson in the lineup. Yeah. Once they switch to Grayson Nielstein, who, by the way, I don't believe, uh, until the bowl game actually didn't throw an interception. Mm-hmm. He, he threw all of them in the bowl game. Right. You know, every interception <laughs> right, possible right, right. in the bowl game. But <laughs> but until the bowl game, he had not thrown an interception. Once they stopped turning over the ball, even though they weren't good, they won. Yeah. And the one thing that you say is, can Alex Delton complete 54% of his passes and throw 11 touchdowns to three interceptions? Maybe. 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 I would yeah. actually look if he did that at Kansas State. No, he actually threw, I think, five touchdowns to six oh, interceptions. That's great. Okay, yeah. never mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to throw him a bone. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, obviously there's a lot more talent out here. Sure, sure. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember what the uh, what the quote was from, um, from Jalen Rager, but... I, I think that he was just like, yeah, I was talking to Alex after he, he went here, and he's like, man, we got good receivers. This stuff's easy now. <laughs> so, you know, fair. Very fair. Okay. But, uh, but you know, and that's the big thing is that the rest of this team is ready to compete. The rest of this team could win the Big 12, honestly. Sure. But it's just I mean, they were fine last year outside of quarterback. Like, they were, yeah. <laughs> we looked at them last year. We're like, right. man, this TCU team's pretty good. Oh, there's quarterback. Like, you right. know, like right. it's – Right, but but yeah, so I I think it's going to be dealt, and I think that's a very boring answer, but at the same time, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Texas A and M. I think it's front seven. Yeah, I think it's. I was going to say linebacker. I was going to say, oh, I mean, you can go linebacker, go front, go defensive line. Like you're looking for a lot of guys to step up. You're looking for. I mean, in the linebacker, at least you have a name you could kind of point to an Anthony Hines and be like, yeah. hey, can and he Buddy Johnson. Take, and yeah, there you go, and Buddy Johnson too. Um, to be able to say, hey, you guys were really hyped is there anything to that? Like, you know, like, could, is, is there something to the hype that you guys received? Cause you see it, you see flashes. Well, well, the two guys, the two guys though, who, who have hype coming in this year, though, are Bobby Brown mm-hmm. and Max Wright. Right. You know, so those are two of the best defensive line prospects of the last two years. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing that you hope, but Justin Matabuki is the only proven commodity on that defensive line. And he was good last year. I mean, he was, he was very good, honestly, at defensive tackle, but mm-hmm. defensive tackle isn't even a production position necessarily. Right. And, of course, I forgot about DeMarvin Leal, too. Yeah. Like, they're adding him. Yeah. So, yeah. is he a first-year impact player? He looked he looked that part at his and, senior year at Judson. And that's that's a crazy thing to expect of anybody. Sure. To, to contribute on the defensive line as a freshman. Sure. But it's also DeMarvin Leal. Right. <laughs> he might have been the best, most talented player in the state last year. Right, right. And and one thing, if, if we look on offense, I really want to hear that that uh, Kendrick Rogers is just catching everything. Yeah. Because yeah. 
you know, we, we wrote about him in the magazine. You should check it out if you haven't. He is so good in the big moments and so invisible every other time. You know, he, he doesn't make those 12-yard catches down the field. He only makes the game-winning touchdown catches. And ultimately, they need a guy who can make the 12-yard catch. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if I'm hearing that Kendrick Rogers is just catching everything, I, I'm going to feel really good about that because – uh, Kellen Mond, you know, along Jamon Osborne has kind of proven that he can be a target. Mm-hmm. Courtney Davis has kind of proven that he can be a target. But I want to, I want Kendrick Rogers to step up and say, "I'm the best wide receiver on this team. I can be the guy." Yeah. Because they didn't really have that last year, so I don't know. There, there's a lot of sort of they could be fine, but I don't know if they're going to be great position groups on this team. Mm-hmm. And uh, corner, another one of those where where. They were not good at all last year. You know, safety, they have so much talent, but is it ready? And it wasn't last year. Um, and they lose Donovan Wilson. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see. If, there's a couple of things where if they just have a couple things go right, and, and with young players too, mm-hmm. they could be a lot better than we think in 2019. They could be really good in 2020. Sure. All right, we're finishing off with Texas. Obviously, the short answer is I want to keep hearing more fun things about Jordan Whittington. Sure. So we're going to skip that. Right. <laughs> what is the question to you? I think I got two. Yeah. I have who else besides Colin Johnson? Is there a receiver? Yeah. And is this young secondary ready? Yeah. No, I, I was I was going to just point at cornerback. Sure. Because their defense relies so much on being able to play man coverage. Yep. They don't have to worry. They can do whatever they want with that front seven. Right. Stunt, blitz, base, whatever. And and on top of that, mm-hmm. they can play Caden Stearns anywhere. Right. They can play Brandon Jones anywhere. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we we made a lot of fun of uh, of uh, Chris... Uh, Chris Boyd. Chris Boyd. Yeah. I was thinking Chris Bryant. I don't know. <laughs> I, I got one Woj notification about baseball, and now my mind's <laughs> broken. But, <laughs> but you know, they... Uh, they have Chris Boyd, mm-hmm. um, and we gave him a lot of stick because, yeah. Granted, he was a he was a corner who got beat a couple times, most yeah. you know, mostly by a guy named Tylen Wallace, which uh, sure everybody in the nation got beat by him. Yeah, no, but like, it takes good. a lot to be able to say, "I got this guy one on one." Yeah, like <laughs> not every corner in the nation, in fact, most corners in the country can't say, "Yeah, this guy, I got him. Don't worry about it." Right, right. And so when he gets beat, sure you're gonna make you're gonna poke fun at him because of course you know that's what it's one on one in basketball thing, right? Yeah, you, know, you get shook, you're gonna get put on Twitter and all that, but. They had a guy who could they who could they could reliably throw on number one receivers and said, yeah, stick with him. Yeah, and Devontae Davis, very solid secondary corner. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, P.J. Locke, very solid coverage nickelback. Mm-hmm. So they lose all three of those guys. And you bring in Anthony Cook, who's awesome, but also, a, you know, a redshirt freshman. Right. Uh, who are the other? Jalen Green, I think, was the other yes. guy that they're thinking about. And then Kobe Boyce, I think is. I believe is, it was Kobe Boyce. So. You know, good players, and, and obviously then at that nickel, you're maybe kind of changing the role a little bit to fit BJ Foster. Foster in a little bit more, yeah. right? But they're also all very young, and we were spoiled last year. Caden Stearns is awesome, right? And they're not all Caden Stearns. No, that's just a reality of existing. Right? Is that most people are not Caden Stearns? <laughs> so if they're ready, again, I mean that, that's going to be a big question. And and the one nice thing that you say is that yes, they play a big, 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 big time game against LSU week one or week two, but that's not going to necessarily put that to the test i was gonna say i was like yeah we're probably not gonna be looking yeah, for can they a shut big down secondary a Joe burrow right but, uh, <laughs> but if, if they can do that i mean they'll have time to get ready i mean they, they really don't get truly 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 tested in the secondary until they play against um 
against Oklahoma. Oh, Deshaun Jameson as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's something that again, this was a highly talented, highly touted oh, yeah. freshman, or uh, last year was a highly touted oh. freshman class. So I, I think there's that, things I there. think you can make the argument. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm making the argument, mm-hmm. but I think you can make the argument that they're. 2018 secondary recruiting class was like the best of all time. Sure, I think you could. If you just if you just go purely off off these recruiting websites, uh, analysts and ratings, you'd be hard pressed to find another class that had single five star, five star, five star, four star, four star. Like they raked them all in. (laughs) Is there a better safety class that you could ever remember? Just in terms of recruiting, obviously, (sighs) than than Caden Stearns, B.J. Foster, and Demarion Overson. No. I it's in one, yeah, I mean, obviously we'll see how the rest of them play out. Sure, sure. Uh, but in terms of one get, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see whether they're ready. Corner, again, is a tougher position to get ready for than even safety. Right. Um, but, again, like like we said, I mean, week four they play Oklahoma State. We'll see how ready uh, Spencer Sanders is. Uh, week five they play against West Virginia. We'll see what the heck is going on there. Right. Then you play Oklahoma, and then you're going to get tested. But then, I mean – that is the one kind of funny thing is that then you get the last two games of the year you maybe play, you know, I, I think that maybe you assume that Oklahoma, Oklahoma State have good quarterback positions, but you can make a case that the two best quarterbacks you play, you play in the last two weeks of the season against mm-hmm. Baylor and against Texas Tech. So can you have everything ready by then? I Yeah, by week 12, 13. Sure. I think that then you feel okay. Right? Yeah, right. So that's the one thing. But it's going to be interesting to see how quickly they come along. I just want to hear, again, that these guys are ready. I want to hear that these guys are showing out. And, I mean, it's all coach speak. It's all talk. We won't know until they take the field week one against Louisiana Tech. A good team, by the way. Um, But it's going to be be fun to watch. Anyway, camp is opening. Football is here. If you haven't as yet, make sure and pick up your magazine, your 2019 Summer Edition, which is available all over the place, grocery stores, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, wherever. Also, make sure and become a subscriber. That's the easiest way to get it. Textfootball.com slash subscribe. It gets mailed directly to your doorstep, nice and easy. And you get access to all of our exclusive online content. Lots of high school stuff, lots of college stuff coming. Thank you so much again for joining us. You can find all of our work at textfootball.com. Find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Sexy Football. Find us on Twitter at DCTF. Find us on Instagram, Dave Campbell's. And we'll talk to you again next week.